Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and all major podcast providers. So if you can't catch the show live, you can download it or simply use our free podcast player, which is available on our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to connect with us, please post your question on our wall on Facebook or send me a tweet at June Stoyer on Twitter. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by MyMumble.com, one of the leading voice chat service providers with locations all over the world. MyMumble offers free five-seat voice chat service for life, as well as higher capacity plans for any group that requires a secure environment for confidential communication. Listeners of The Organic View can receive 15% off on monthly recurring power service by using the coupon code ORGVIEW. For more promotional offers, please visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. Today, I have the wonderful Ruth Clausen, and we're going to be talking about a very, very <laughs> dear topic, should I say, coping with deer. For many homeowners that are residing in rural areas, they are often struggling to keep their well-manicured landscape from being devoured by deer. Some folks have opted to install high fencing that confines their yard, creating an atmosphere similar to that of a zoo than some homey, comfortable backyard environment, while others have gone to extremes using chemicals that can do more harm than good. Is it possible to coexist with deer and have a beautiful garden? Ruth Clausen thinks so. As a well-respected expert, author, teacher, and overall lover of nature, she has written a book that is essential for anyone trying to cope with deer. In 50 beautiful deer-resistant plants, the prettiest annuals, perennials, bulbs, and shrubs that deer don't eat, you will learn how to have a successful garden, especially in deer country. So I would like to welcome to the show Ruth Clausen. Good afternoon, Ruth. Hi, how are you, June? Thank you. It is so wonderful to have you. I feel as though I'm in the presence of the horticultural version of Mozart. I mean, you are just <laughs> amazing. How many books have you written? Well, I've written quite a lot, actually, over the years. <laughs> um, I've just been in the business a very long time. Um, I've been in the business since I was 17 years old, and so now i have up to more than 50 years professionally in horticulture in various areas. Um, I started out um, as a nursery person, and originally in England, I was, I was born and raised in England, went to uni- um, university for horticulture in England, and so I stayed there a few years and then was working on a research station for a while there, and then I came to the United States and have been here ever since um, in Ohio and then in New York now. So um, I've been around the horn a little bit and um, picked up some various things. I've done, you know, garden design. I've done a lot of teaching. I've done writing. I've done all sorts of different things. And as one's life changes, then you make the adap- adaptions, you know, as uh, as time goes on. So I've been around a while. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's interesting that you chose to um, put so much information in this particular book. Do you ha- have you had experiences with deer that in which they've destroyed your uh your garden? Oh yes, I take a point to them most every day. I mean, they're right out here. I have we li- I'm living in the suburbs near White Plains, New York, 
and um, we have plenty of deer around here. I mean, they're right. I have a swampy area, and they're very often down there. And I don't really bother to to um, control them down there. But certainly, the plants that I grow up around my house and everything are nearly all deer-resistant things. So things that I know they won't like. It's no. There's no sense in putting out the welcome mat with daylilies and hostas and tulips and lilies, and then expect them to stay away. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's you know, the prime prime food for them in the suburbs. It's much easier for them to do that than to come to well, you know, to come to well landscaped uh, gardens than it is for them to go forage for themselves in the wild, so to speak. Why not? It's the easy way out. Just like most of us like to have the easy way out. <laughs> now, as much as I enjoy wildlife, there are also some very big concerns for homeowners and for just people that are residing in uh, the rural areas that are not really uh, considered. Um, such as disease, can you just talk about some of the issues that uh, an overpopulation of deer can bring to uh, a community? Well, deer carry, very often carry uh, deer ticks with them. And deer ticks are one of the causes of, um, they're also carried by um, mice. But um, it's, it's a complicated situation. But Lyme disease is a very, very serious problem. Uh, Lyme disease is uh, the result of being um, bitten by a deer tick. And, um, you know, people can get extremely sick with those. Uh, we had um, Westchester County, the medical center here, has done an enormous amount of research on Lyme disease over the years. And partly I'm quite convinced because when the um, uh, incidences of Lyme disease started to become important here in Westchester, um, the administrative assistant, I think that's her title, was uh, to the county executive was quite severely, um, you know, disabled by contracting Lyme disease. And so, anyway, there was a great deal of work that was done in this particular area that now, of course, is spread all over. But it's not a good idea to get bitten by a tick. No, and, certainly uh, not, especially if you have uh, pets that. Uh, may also be affected by the ticks. Well, that's right. Uh, I mean, and it's not, you don't even have to be in the country. I mean, I'm here right in the suburbs. I know out on Long Island, particularly along the beach, mm. you see the deer ticks and everything come right off those long grasses and so forth, and they can be a real problem. And the situation, of course, with um, in a relatively um, tight space, so to speak, where there's a lot of residential homes, um, you know, the, they have no habitat. And it's fine to say, well, you know, we just don't, we want to have our house here and, and the, you know, to heck with the, with the deer. I mean, this is a fact of life, and it doesn't have to be war. That's the problem. I think people get on this kick that it's, it's war, and it's not. You can live and let live. Um, don't encourage them. Don't, you know, keep your lawn short. Um, keep your, keep um, plants that, the deer don't particularly care for put up barriers if you have to you don't have to live like somebody in a zoo but certainly there are all sorts of different ways you don't also have to resort to spraying with chemicals you know on a weekly basis but there are lots of ways to to um have a sort of benign standoffish effect with a deer just mm. you know in, in other confrontations with with other things in life i don't believe in going head to head with looking for trouble um, to dominate, you know, that's not the way that life should be, in my opinion. 
And um, certainly there are some, some deer repellents and lots of hem- home remedies that people use. Oh, yeah, the home remedies. I've been flooded with a number <laughs> of very interesting home remedies. It seems as though the most popular home remedy is hair, human hair. I've had people write in that they will often stop at a local, uh, at, at their rather, at their hair salon to um, get the uh, the waste from the, the hair clippings, what have you, and uh, they will either take some of the hair and put it on barbed wire fence so that um, you know, that will keep the deer away from the perimeter of the property, or they will scatter it throughout, throughout the land uh, to ward them off. And uh, that, <laughs> I can just see people doing that. Well, uh, they do. People are very strange, we know that. <laughs> but certainly, I mean, and also they will get clippings and they'll make little muslin bags and hang them from the limbs of trees and things like that. Um, it's not very pretty, quite honestly. Um, it's very nice for the deer, for the birds rather, to have, you know, all this hair hanging around when it comes nesting time when they're going to be making their nests. Um, you know, if people want to do that and it keeps them amused and they think they're doing a good thing, well, by all means, um, you know, I would prefer frankly, to put the deer on my compost pile and let it rot down with the other garbage and stuff. Mm. But um, there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's just um, a bit of a pain in the neck, but if people like to do that, that's fine. It does indeed, um, I wouldn't say it repels them. I think that the effect, quite honestly, is minimal. Um, You know, deer are very curious. They'll come and see what new things are going on. And it's it's not really effective. Now, a lot of people also will hang bars of soap. Um, yes, that is another, yeah. Right, particularly Irish Spring, which seems to be, <laughs> seems to be the soap brand of choice. I don't know about, this is not an advertisement for Irish Spring. But anyway, indeed, they have very, very sensitive noses. So if they, if they smell hair and they, you know, um, think that this is, is dangerous, so, because there's human habitation around. Quite honestly, in our area, they are so brazen now, they don't care. You can be within 10 feet of them. Yeah, it's like the, the raccoons. I mean, raccoons exactly. at this point. Exactly. I've had raccoons that have gone up to my window uh, in the middle of the night, and then if <laughs> I remember putting the flashlight on them, and they came right up, and yeah. all I thought to myself was, my goodness. And uh, raccoons are very smart creatures. If you teach them something once, they don't need to learn a second time. They get it. But in the same token, they are not intimidated at all by the presence of human beings. Well, that's true, and you know we've we've created this this situation really with all of yes, these, we did. these animals. And I love to see the deer. Quite honestly, I love to see them, um, you know, running loose and all this. Not in my yard, though. I mean, if they're out on a field or something, that you don't very often see them in fields, but. Um, Sometimes you'll see them browsing there, but more often in the edge of woodlands. Um, you know, that's perfectly fine, but I don't want them. I, w- I don't want to spend a lot of money on buying plants, putting them in the ground, nurturing them, and so on and so forth, for them to the deer to come through and destroy them. I mean, okay, so this is, for the time being anyway, this is my yard. Mm. And um, although they do come through, they very seldom browse in my yard anymore because I have all of these plants that are not prime deer food and you know if they're not going to get a good meal well then they're not going to bother to come now before we get into the types of plants i just want to talk a little bit more about some of these 
solutions that people have been volunteering. Uh, another common suggestion was to install electric uh, fencing. Mm-hmm. Now, while that may seem to be the ultimate uh, way to keep everything out, um, why doesn't that work? Well, it does work to a degree. I mean, you have to have enough strands. You have to have it, um, you know, preferably eight feet high. Very expensive. Very expensive. Very expensive indeed. And often, you know, where I am here, and a lot of this area north of New York is very rocky, thinnish soil. Mm. So, you know, to install something like that, we can't even to install those, um, you know, guards for dogs with the collars. I've forgotten what they're called. But anyway, to dig down, you can't you can't get enough depth. And so you're trying to install things. Then you've got to get, you know, perhaps drill out to make holes for the posts and stuff like that. It's an absolute nightmare. And it's... You know, it's just not—it's just not necessary, unless you absolutely, you know, must have your garden fenced. If you absolutely must, well, then by all means, if you can afford to do that, that's perfectly fine. I'm not complaining about that in the least. In fact, I'm not complaining about anything. The whole point of the book was to show people that there are other ways to get around this particular problem. Maybe you don't have to be you know, and have a, sh- a showcase garden constantly. I mean, it's like people who have to have a lawn that doesn't have a weed in it. You and know, that's an excellent point, yeah. It's not really that critical. I mean, if in the whole scheme of things, you know, there are kids going to bed hungry, that's a crime. But having a deer come and take your tulip plant, you know, just as it's coming into bloom, that's really not the end of the world. Well, and I, I think, think we tend to make it way too, way mm. too important. I think if it's not a deer, it'll be a squirrel or something else. Well, that could be, too. Or just the wind. Mm. You know, something I think we tend to get obsessed with perfection. Life is not perfection. And, I mean, this maybe sounds a a little stupid, but it's really, we want to have beautiful gardens. We want to have wonderful gardens. I think we can enjoy on a much different basis rather than having, um, you know, everything absolutely pristine. Thank you. And so we can, you know, we can we can for, do a little forgiving sometimes. Yeah, that's yeah. not to say that I want a herd of deer coming through my yard and destroying it. That's certainly not the case. Well, what I've found is uh, we have uh, oh, oh, uh, one of my family members has electric fencing for uh, cows, and the deer hop the fence. I mean, unless you're going to have this big enclosure, mm-hmm. uh, it's expensive. I mean, it's one thing if you have cows and horses but uh deer they do jump well uh, eight feet eight feet is the minimum yeah that you can get away with and uh you know it's i guess it depends upon how how crazy you want to go but uh as you pointed out and also in the book you know there are a lot of options right for someone who's been battling the deer problem where should they begin should they begin with the types of perennials that they have, or should they just slowly um, begin to just take some of the plants that they have and start replacing them with other more deer-resistant plants? Well, first of all, before we get into some of the ornamental plants, I think I would like to say here, people that are growing their own vegetables, that have vegetable gardens, will need to fence. It is, first of all, you don't want to be putting a whole lot of chemicals and stuff on things that you're going to eat. And secondly, you know, that is something that is really important. If you're growing your own vegetables for food, 
by all means, get a smallish area or however, however big a plot you need and fence that or protect that in one way or another because most vegetables are prime deer food. Um, they don't go usually for onions and things like that, but, you know, lettuce and cabbage and all of those things they will really go for. And I would urge you to protect that area. Set it aside from the ornamental garden. But then, having said that, um, I would look at your yard, take sort of a rough inventory of them, of the plants that you have there at the moment, or if you're starting out from scratch, that's a whole different ballgame. But let's go with somebody who's already moved into a house or is living in a house and already has a garden there. I call a yard a garden. That's what Mm. we do in England. (laughs) But I'm talking about you have ornamentals out there. So, okay, do the deer come in? First of all, try and find out where they come in. Now, if there's snow on the ground, that's really easy because you can see footprints. Or if it's very muddy, you can see footprints. Keep an eye out. Observe your surroundings. Keep note of them. Maybe may have a little notebook and say, yeah, I saw them coming in over there. Or they usually come past that way and up the, you know, the lane that way or whatever the, whatever the situation is. And then you can plant a barricade there, a barricade in the form of shrubs, or you could have, um, you know, some, some nice big vines and things, perhaps up some sort of a trellis or a fence, if you an ornamental fence if you want to, but some way deter them from coming in there. Now, what about planting something uh, that ha- like something such as roses, which are quite thorny? Roses the deer love. They really like them. The only ones that... Uh, in, as to my knowledge, that they do not go for are the Rosa rugosa or the ah. beach roses. That mm-hmm. you, you know, there's sort of bright magenta ones that you see. They do not go for those. And there are a number of hybrids with Rosa rugosa blood in them that they also don't go for. Um, in the full sun situation, of course, you'll have to have roses. But there are lots of other shrubs. I would say things like um, trifoliate orange, which is thorny. Um, some of the barberries, not the not the um, one that has spread everywhere, the Japanese barberry, but look for some other barberries that are much more decorative and do not become invasive. You need to be careful of some of these things. Um, There are other shrubs that you can put in uh, those areas as well. You've got some spireas that that, uh, do very well um, in in a garden situation. Many of them, and you'll see different ones uh, in the book that will tell you or make suggestions for you what would work out well for you. So I would definitely think in those terms. And then look at some perennials. Look and see. Maybe you've got perennials there now. What sort of perennials do you have? Um, this is important. If you have, um, oh, things like bellflowers, for example, or you might have yarrow, or you might have some of these. Some, you might, If it's shady, you might have ferns. Uh, in the sun, you could have um, poppies, for example, or even mm-hmm. peonies. Those things usually do not encourage the, the um, encourage the uh, um, deer to come. They don't like those so much. But if you have daylilies, and if you have hostas, and if you're planting lilies, you know you're going to ask for trouble. They're just absolutely coming coming right to those. But things like um, oh, ladies' mantle, for example, that's quite a popular plant. Um, if you have bugloss. If you have um, Lenten roses, if you have 
barons, barren words, any of those things, the deer will not be attracted to them. But, you know, there's a list. I have a list in here, uh, just a very quick um, sort of a rough list of the mm-hmm. top, as I call them, deer candy. Stay away from those things. There's no point in saying, you know, come to my party, we've got caviar, if <laughs> you really don't you really don't want to in- encourage them. Azaleas, they love azaleas. They love mums. Um, they'll come to coleus in the summertime. They'll come to crab apples, anything like hydrangeas are top on their list. Um, magnolias they like a lot. You know, all of these things, that is really encouraging them to come. So what, are, things. what are some of the herbs that I, I noticed that you have English lavender? What are some? Of, could could you just provide a list, a quick list of herbs that uh, people can plant that not only provide um, you know culinary use or medicinal use, but are also deterrents to the deer? Oh sure, um, they do not. As a general rule of thumb, they do not like um, very. Um, you know, smelly plants. I mean, they have very, very sensitive noses, and they really don't care for those. So you're talking things like basil, oregano, rosemary, thyme, sage, you know, all those things. They're not going to go for those. And that's a very good way, too, to have, if you want to have a vegetable garden as well, to plant edgings of some of these herbs, which is very pretty, and they're, you know, right next to the vegetables when you're harvesting to take into the kitchen, and they can look very attractive. So the companion planting actually not only is great to ward off insects, but it is effective, um, or somewhat effective at least, with the deer. Well, yes, they're not going to. The deer will not go for this. However, you know, most of these are relatively low growing, and it doesn't take much for a deer to just stick its neck out over the top to your prized lettuces on the next row. So don't, don't use mm. this as something that is going to really work in terms of deterring them. But certainly, uh, they will not go for them. They do not, are not attracting them. That's important. But some of the some of the herbs as well. If you take something like sage, now sage is an enormous family, and they have lots and lots and lots of um, ornamental sages. Now, a couple of years ago, uh, I dug a new bed in my backyard, and I had a, a Pear, eating pear in the middle of it that my husband had brought home, and so we planted it. I said, well, I'm going to put all sages in here for this summer. There are some wonderful, wonderful ornamental sages, many of them from the southwest and from Mexico, that just give you wonderful color in the summertime. You've got blue sages and red sages and purple sages, all these different ones that the deer didn't go for at all. They just walked right by the bed, and here was this eating pear right sitting in the middle wasn't even touched. Amazing. It was. A, I mean, it was a. It was an experiment on my part, and I w- thought, hey, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, why not? You know, um, this is the sort of thing that you that you need to think about. Ornamental grasses is another huge group that the deer do not go for. And they get some of these. Uh, some of these grasses um, are very big. Oh yeah, eight, ten feet tall. Yeah, I mean, something it, like that. They could provide. Um, <laughs> They could provide privacy as well instead of having your yes. zoo-like fence. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's absolutely true. And you can use these for, you know, usually the, you'll have to cut them down after the end of the winter but um, because they it will come up then again in the spring. But it's not a year-round barrier, so to speak. But very often you can put, um, you know, some of these ornamental grasses combined with shrubs at an entryway where deer come in. 
um, you can use them in all sorts of different ways. And I think what's um, I would encourage people if they have a deer problem to you know take a look at this book and look at some of the things that I've uh, included in terms of design. Each entry has a section called design tips. And that includes many other plants that also um, are not top of the of the deer gourmet list, so to speak. And uh, you can use these as well. I mean, there are probably I don't know, probably 250 at least different plants in the, here that are mentioned about that the deer do not really go for. So I was very surprised that you had listed so many different types of ferns. I would think that, especially since the deer are in the woods uh with the wide variety of ferns that are in the woods that that would not that would be something that they would be accustomed to but apparently um they don't like ferns they do not eat ferns and they do not eat ornamental grasses they Interesting. eat some grass like plants you think of something like lily turf which looks like a grass people will say oh it's it's just a grass no it's not it's actually it belongs to the lily family Many, many, many things in the lily family that are taken, you know, the, the daylilies and the hostas, of course, belong there, too. Um, and many of the lily family the deer really like. However, there are some within the lily family, such as lily of the valley, that they don't go for. So, you know, some of these plants have built-in, um, I don't know, deterrents, I suppose you'd call them. Um, you've got, first of all, there's a big group of plants that are very smelly that we mentioned before. Aromatic foliage is one that they seldom go for. Uh, you've got very hairy leaves. Many times they don't like to go for very hairy leaf things. Why? Why is that? I don't know. I think it, it must have some sort of a, you know, an unpalatable feeling mm -hmm. in the mouth or something. They just don't. Uh, they, and now these are general trends. These are not hard and fast rules, you understand. There's nothing that's hard and fast in, in nature. There's always an exception to everything, just to keep you honest. But um, many of the hairy leaf things they really don't care for so much. Um, some of the plants are poisonous. You have daffodils, you have hellebores, and there are substances in the sap there that actually will give deer tummy ache. So, you know, these things, you just have to learn them. And a lot of it is trial and error. A lot of it is, you know, going and asking. A lot of it is, is uh, education, just learning about it. Go to plant talks. Go to the web if you want to. Um, you know, listen to, go to other people's gardens and have a look or just look over the fence and see what's doing well for them. People will say that you'll meet somebody at a party and they perhaps you start talking about gardening. I do, of course, because that's part of my <laughs> life, but not everybody does that. But very often, there are a lot of, an awful lot of gardeners out there, and they'll say, oh, you know, I'm having such a terrible year, I just can't grow anything, and they've eaten this, and they've eaten that, and they've eaten that. And you say, well, do you know, do you have, do you have sun or do you have shade? Oh, I'm just way out in the sun, it's hot and baking. Have you tried yarrow? No. Oh, my goodness, it comes in yellow and red and, you know, all sorts of, different colors it's really pretty not blue but everything else practically and lo and behold you know you've passed along a good tip to somebody and they'll probably try it and it'll do very nicely so you know this is the way that the information gets around as well oh, of course you know pre-facebook pre-facebook <laughs> exactly <laughs> now what do you do when you come home or you go out in the morning and you discover that uh, a feast has taken place 
in your garden. Is there any hope for your plants? I mean, is there any way if they've been uh, if if the foliage has been uh, severely um, uh, I don't even Browse. know how to yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it depends if they've if you've got new plantings. The, as I mentioned before, deer are very curious, so they'll come in there and they'll see there's something new, and they'll maybe go and take a you know a bite at it or something else. And quite often, you haven't planted it very firmly, and the thing will come right out of the ground. Well, that's not a good idea. You need to get it back into the ground as fast as you can, um, so it doesn't the roots don't dry out. But if you've got plants that have been taken down to a nubbin, so to speak, um, by all means, they'll probably come up again. They'll probably come up again. Not 100%, but certainly, I mean, if you lose a couple of hosta leaves, or even if it's, the trouble with hosta in particular, since I mentioned them, is that they will, when the new growth comes up, it's almost like a little uh, pointed spear coming through the ground with the leaves all curled up, Yeah. and they'll nip that top off. So that when those leaves, the leaves will still keep on growing, but when they are expanded, they're disfigured, and they don't really look nice at all because they've got a lump taken out of them from when they were babies. So that's a, that's a problem, but they will keep on coming and growing more and more. Um, I would say a couple of things. Try not to um, over-fertilize. Grow your plants lean, uh, as I would say, lean and hungry. Um, don't put a lot of fertilizer on because that soft growth is much more succulent for the deer. Once it gets fibrous, you'll find that they won't go for it nearly as much. That's the same way with the grasses that are very fibrous and they're not able to eat them. Deer have a, a, a situation they tear off their food rather than actually chomping on it like a rabbit does. Mm. So they tear that off, and if you've got very fibrous, tough growth, it's much more difficult for them to eat unless they're super hungry, which, of course, happens sometimes. But um, but as far as what do I do when I see that happen in my yard, I jump up and down and yell. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody else, right? Uh, right. But I mean, you know, often I'll be looking out the kitchen window in the morning, and perhaps I've still got my robe on and stuff. And I, I, I this has happened when I've been on the phone with my kids, and they just think it's hilarious because I just go out screaming bloody murder, so to speak, and very often grab a, a you know, a frying pan and a, or a saucepan lid or something and a wooden spoon and bang it. It's <laughs> like going out, and they're still mm. on the phone, and they're just laughing their heads off. But you know, I mean, I do. I have. Same problems as everybody else. I'm not saying that this is foolproof. I'm saying this is a help. And because you're choosing different things, I mean, we can live without tulips. We can use daffodils instead. Well, one of the things that I saw in your book was you used some netting. And I thought that was pretty clever. And, you know, depending upon what you do, you can get creative. Uh, and if you have, um, if you're having friends over for, or, or colleagues over, where you're touring, you're giving a tour of your garden or something like that, then of course you'd want to take it off. But I mean, um, depending upon what you're looking to do, uh, it is an option. It is an option. It is an option. However, I'm a very lazy gardener, and I don't like to net if I can help it. But it is, it works very well, particularly in a limited area. Um, you might have, um, you know, I think there was a photograph in, in the book here of um, tulips being protected by netting. And by all means, if you have a situation like that, um, you know, maybe in a cutting garden or something like that, or you've got some special occasion coming up and you want to really protect them, just put some deer netting around. Uh, make sure that it is 
you know, thoroughly anchored. A lot of people will do this also for things like uh, use taxes in the wintertime, uh, and they will actually, um, you know, net the bushes. I've seen that happening in quite a lot of places. But it's a lot of work, and um, but it, it does work. It does work, certainly. Things that I like to do in the garden, I like to put out uh, bird chimes. That is... Um, Maybe more for my pleasure for, than for the deer's displeasure. I don't know, but you know, if suddenly if it if it um, blows, they ha- have a very sensitive sense of hearing as well, and that will just startle them. It make your garden as uncomfortable for them as you can. Um, you know, don't put out the welcome mat. No, certainly not. Um, one one of the things that I also wanted to ask you, especially since it's that time of the year when people are looking at catalogs and trying to figure out what they want to plant. Uh, Unfortunately, especially with the economy, people are looking for plants that are on the inexpensive side or plants that they can get a deal on, say, at the local nursery where they might sell trays of the plants. What are some of these plants that you would recommend? Are you talking annuals now? Uh, Actually, both, annuals and perennials. Okay. For annuals, quite honestly, to grow annuals every year is more expensive than buying more expensive perennials in the first place because, you know, they're only there for one season. <laughs> um, and so then you have to replant again, rebuy and replant the following year. Uh, but some of the some of the good um, annuals to buy, um, you've got things like uh, floss flower, ageratum. That's one that the deer don't go for, and that's very readily available in the nurseries. Um, flowering tobacco. That is also very good. Um, you've got things like marigolds. I mean, people and love marigolds. marigolds. are just tremendous, yeah. And the deer do not go for them, and they bloom their heads off. Um, petunias, you'll find that deer usually do go for. If you're doing hanging baskets, that's another way to do things, and many people like to have hanging baskets with, um, you know, colorful annuals in them. Make sure that they're higher than the deer can reach. Just make sure that they're elevated high enough so you know that a deer will not be able to reach there to eat those. Mm. That's a very good good way of doing this. And talking of height, do the same thing with bird feeders. Don't that's have a, bird really feeders. That's a good point. Um, I've, had, I've had deer in my yard actually a couple of winters ago when we had a lot of snow, and there was like a snow bank where the, the snow had just been piled. One night I looked out at dusk and there were two deer out there, and there were more that gathered, but one of them was actually on its haunches, on its hind legs, with its front two paws right in the bird feeder, and it was just eating. <laughs> I mean, I was having a fit, you can imagine. And that's, I mean, that you just have to get it out of reach, otherwise they'll come. That's an excellent point. I mean, you don't really think about it. Uh, just some of the things that we have in our gardens. Uh, unless you have this type of a conversation, you would never think that, you know something, maybe I should rethink that because it's actually attra- it's contributing to the problem. That's right. That's right, absolutely. What are some of the other things that people have in their gardens that also contribute to the problem? Are there any um, other, uh, other um, fixtures that they have? Or, I mean, uh, I've seen a lot of people put up mirrors. Do mirrors mm-hmm. do anything? Yes, they do, because they catch the light and they sort of spook the deer. Interesting. Uh, that helps. Some people put gazing balls. That even helps a little bit. Um, they're just a couple of odd things, you know, that, that I, would, I would be careful 
uh, where you put bird baths. Um, if you have those that might, you know, the deer might come, if they're thirsty, it might come to that. What about solar lighting? Does that deter, does that deter the deer from uh, coming into the garden, or do they just look at it like, oh, thank you for lighting up the way? <laughs> right, that's exactly what they do. <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't seem to deter them at all. However, you know, mix and match. Change things up. Always keep them, you know, keep be one step ahead of them. I mean, this sounds like a full-time job. It doesn't have to be, but, um, you know, you you have to just, I don't know quite how to put it, but you have to observe. You have to be in tune with the whole thing. And if it's something that's really important to you, then, you know, you will you will do it. But on the other hand, it's not earth-shattering. And I would say don't take it all too seriously. Don't take your garden too seriously. I mean, live it, love it to death. But, you know, I always tell people if you can raise children and you can raise puppies, you can certainly raise plants. And but you can't take it all too seriously by the book. What doesn't work? There's always next year. You know you need to be a little relaxed and laid back about the whole thing. I I think we tend, well you know I think America is is full of perfectionists and maybe we're a little overly wanting to be perfect. But there's plenty of room for everything. And uh, many of the plants that you can grow will cut down on the amount of maintenance because you won't have to spray all the time. But one thing I did want to mention about sprays, and I just found this out the other day. Sure. Um, there are some sprays that are, um, you know, organically based that are, um, I guess, approved for uh, organic gardens and so on and so forth. And they're the ones that do not have egg in them, apparently. I was just given a sample of this one now. Uh, it's made by Country Fair. And... Um, you know there are several several quite good repellents out there, and if you have a special plant, by all means protect it. I mean, I have a magnolia that's between where I'm. I mean, I'm looking right out to the garden now, and mm. I can see it. Those buds are fat, and they're going to be bursting before too terribly long. That plant is important to me. By all means, baby it. You know, it doesn't mean that you can just let everything alone. Um, if you have thing, things that you really like a lot, put them in containers. Put them up close to the house. Put them on your deck where they are quite a lot protected. The deer seldom, in some places I'm told, they will actually come right up, you know, on a deck. In my garden they don't yet but um, because it's raised up a little bit. But certainly um, bring things into containers. I grow a lot of things in the summertime that the deer would absolutely devour if they were out in the garden, but I put them up on the deck in containers. I have lots and lots of containers. Another one that I just... I'm looking at, actually, from where I'm sitting here now, I have a lot of um, scented geraniums that those sort of come into the, the smelly group. Um, scented geraniums are really pretty, I think. Many of them, I mean, they just go in with the herbs, really, but those are things that are left alone. It's amazing how many things we don't think of that can actually help us, uh, and unfortunately, many people are just so quick to look for some type of manufactured remedy mm -hmm, instead mm -hmm. of to just think about, okay, well, what plants are attractive, what plants can be uh, used for culinary reasons uh, or otherwise that um, I can plant mm -hmm. as, a, as opposed to applying some type of a, a chemical or uh, in some cases what some, some folks are doing where they're getting very creative <laughs> yeah and um you know it's it's going to be just a matter of a few weeks before 
people are out there gardening again. Uh, Ruth, do you have any uh, last advice that you'd like to leave the audience with as far as what they should do when planning out this upcoming growing season? Well, yes. I would first of all say prepare your ground as well as you can so that the plants themselves will be growing strongly. That does not mean dumping on a lot of fertilizer. Um, try to keep the, the plant, um, you know, well-maintained and growing sturdily because that will, it's almost like, a, a, um, you know, keeping its immune system good like you would on a child. Plant some barriers if you have problems. Um, one thing I think I mentioned before about the, the fertilizer and stuff, if they're, the plants are very, growing very soft and very fast because you've got a lot of fertilizer on nitrogen is the nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium are the three major elements for fertilizers. Nitrogen is the one that promotes growth. So if you want to have soft leafy growth, say on lettuces, for example, or even on a lawn, you would have high nitrogen fertilizer that you put on. If you need to fertilize, by all means, use a balanced fertilizer. That means that the three numbers on that would be something for the example of 555 or 101010, something Mm. like that. It's balanced. So you don't have one. You'll get. You could get a fertilizer for a lawn, perhaps that is mm, twenty ten five or something like that. The first number is nitrogen. So if that's a higher number than the others, beware of it. it unless you want something that's very leafy, um, avoid planting the deer candy. If you can, if you absolutely have to have that, by all means. If you want roses, for example, put them in containers on your deck. A lot of people do that, and they can be beautiful. You can anything that will grow in the ground. You can actually grow in a container if it's large enough. I mean, I've seen <laughs> I've seen so many different uh, types of plants in containers. I'm kind of mesmerized myself. I mean, it's uh, it makes you really think about the possibilities. I mean, oh, absolutely, particularly in you know in New York or somewhere like that where you've got a, a terrace, or even on a condo with a terrace. Um, you know, you can grow dogwood trees in those in containers if the <laughs> container's big enough. Um, make sure that your bird feeders and your hanging baskets are high enough. Um, don't overwater things. Again, that will pr- promote lush growth, but don't get the plants, you know, desiccated either. So those mm-hmm. are just a couple of things that you might remember. If you have anything that, like, um, um, any fruit trees or anything like that, crab apples or anything like that at the end of the season now that you should have already done it last year. Make sure all of that is raked up. Acorns, if you have oak trees around, make sure that the acorns are raked up. That's a, the prime deer food in the wild. This year we've had a very, very poor crop of acorns. Last year was humongous. I mean, we just had a bumper crop, and for people that did not get those raked up or disposed of somehow, I mean, the deer were just all over. So that's those are things, you know, just like little tips that you need to do, to um, remember to make sure that you don't uh, you don't don't encourage them too much to come to your house. But there are just lots and lots and lots and lots of plants. I cannot tell you enough how many there are that are the deer really are not so keen on, versus the deer candy that everybody wants. I mean, everybody wants to grow daily loose and hostas. Why? I don't know, but they do. They're easy. They're, well, yeah, the deer think they're easy, too, thank you very much. They're nice and succulent. 
And remember one thing, too. As far as watering in the summertime, if the plants are thirsty, the deer are thirsty as well. So you're um, watering, let's say, when you come home from work, 5, 6 o'clock at night, something like that, mm-hmm. and you're watering, you're just spraying out, you're out there just spraying with a hose or you've got a sprinkler that has overhead, so on and so forth. The leaves are sopping wet, the night falls, and the deer say, oh, I'm so thirsty. There's that garden over there. They just watered. Everything is all wet. I'll go get a drink. I mean, that's what happens. So if you possibly can, water early in the afternoon. I mean, not when the sun's absolutely blazing, but maybe at 3 o'clock so the leaves dry off before nightfall. Or try to do it in the morning before you go to work. So I try to the whole I, day. I, I usually water in the morning because right. of concern for right. um, uh, mold. Well, mold as well, but... Not only overhead watering, but try, if you can, to do it at ground level. It's the roots mm-hmm. that need the water, not the, not the leafy part, for the most part. So if you can get um, soaker hoses uh, or, you know, water just right down at ground level, not overhead so the leaves and the whole plant is sopping wet. Those are good things to remember, um, particularly in the summertime. But, you know, think in terms of, yes, the plants are thirsty. I need to go out and water, but, of course, the deer are going to be thirsty, too. Um, Excellent point to remember. Yeah, really. I mean, it just just stands to reason, yeah. But, you know, grow, oh, coreopsis and iris and things like that, yarrows and sages and all sorts of wonderful, wonderful plants that, you know, you'll, geraniums, so all of the wild, the hardy geraniums, the deer don't go for those. They're spectacular. Go to one of your local gardens. Go and visit, like, a public garden such as the Brooklyn Botanic Garden or New York Botanical Garden or any of the the big nurseries out on Long Island or, you know, I mean, all over the place. There there are public gardens and places where you could look and just see and then perhaps make a note of some of the things you like. Get home and go on the web and say, all you have to do is just just write in in Yahoo, whatever your program is, and just put um, geraniums and deer. And you'll get all sorts of information <laughs> Seriously, exactly. you don't have to get it complicated. And um, they'll or tell people, you. people could just pick up a copy of fifty beautiful deer-resistant plants. That, by I would certainly recommend Plotin. that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know the pictures in this book, folks. Um, the photography was done by Alan Detrick, and uh, the photographs are just beautiful. Well, Alan is is not only a very good friend, he's also one of the top garden photographers and um, his work is just super and he's a joy to work with. So It's evident in this book, the pictures are yeah. just amazing and I mean, there's so much information in here. You really went into a lot of detail, especially uh, to provide the zones, the hardiness, the height um, and you even went to the trouble of providing a deer resistance rating. You like that, huh? <laughs> I, I thought that, that was really important. I mean, you know, when you have when you have issues with your uh, with your yard, your garden, um, and you're trying to find a solution. I mean, some of the wacky <laughs> the, the wacky solutions that were sent uh, to the show for this particular uh, segment were some of them were a little over the top. But when you're looking for something that's practical, especially if you're uh, if you don't exactly have a big budget or if you're looking uh, to just create the um, most um, most effective me- or just use the most effect- effective method with the, the minimal impact as far as other 
other um, beings in the environment, including humans and, you know, uh, sure, you know sure. so on and so forth. It's really important to just consider everything. So, Well, I think so. And, I mean, this geo-resistant rating is, it's mine. <laughs> it's not built on, on, you know, a tremendous amount of science or anything like this. This is based on observations and experience of mine and um, also of experience of other people across the country, friends and so on and so forth. And so I've been doing some extensive research, and this was, a, a again, a, a way to help people. The whole point of writing anything like this is to be useful. I mean, it's it's a beautiful book. I agree with you. Alan's pictures are super. But it's more than that. I want people to get it dirty and take it out into the garden and go to the nursery and so on and so forth and really make it a practical thing. Uh, it's not just for decoration. Well, Ruth, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And uh, do you have any books that uh, you're going to be publishing soon? Uh, well, I'm hoping so. I'm working on one now that should be out in about a year or so. Uh, any? Are you able to talk about it? <laughs> well, it's. Um, I mean, I can. I can say it's about perennials. Let's put it that way. Well, it's, that it's will... another perennial book, and I'm hoping that it will. I mean, there are lots of perennial books out at the moment, but this is one that is really, I think, nitty gritty, um, practical for people to use. It's the sort of thing that the sort of information that a new gardener needs to know, and as well is useful and interesting to experienced gardeners. Well, um, if it's a book that you've written, of course, this is one for the ultimate garden collection. Um, <laughs> as anyone who admires your work will agree. Well, uh, you're too kind. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm just honored that uh, you took so much time to come on the show today and share your knowledge with our audience, and uh, you know, this is just some wonderful information that I think many people will really start thinking about. And you know, um, it's it's a great solution instead of just saying, okay, let's use some chemical, let's uh, you know, start collecting urine in buckets and just all the other wacky things that people are doing. I mean, this is just really practical advice that is not only economic, but it's also um, doing something that's creating a beautiful environment in your home in your home as opposed to just, uh, you know, what people have been doing with the fencing and, you know, all the other things. Well, you know, to each his own, but um, this is the way that I like to look at life. And I think all I can say to your listeners is, you know, try, learn as much as you possibly can, and don't take it all too seriously. Thank you so much, Ruth. And, folks, please pick up a copy of Ruth's book, uh, 50 Beautiful Year-Resistant Plants. I mean, it's just such a beautiful book um, with so much information. And uh, for anyone dealing with this problem, once you take a look at the information that's in there, you will definitely agree. Uh, folks, thank you so much for tuning in today. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show.